Welcome to the Bible in the News. This week, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov wrote an article for the Global Affairs magazine where he reflected on Russia's past and future. In the lengthy article, he attempted to correct the picture painted by Western propaganda of Russia's development and current place in the world. Lavrov described the rise of the Kievian Rus, its adoption of Christianity in 988, over 1,028 years ago. He showed how Russia was the defender of Christianity during the Mongolian invasion and successor to the Byzantine Empire. He wrote, Rus bent under but was not broken by the heavy Mongolian yoke and managed to emerge from this dire trial as a single state which was later regarded by both West and East as the successor to the Byzantine Empire that ceased to exist in 1453. An imposing country stretching along what was practically the entire eastern perimeter of Europe, Russia began a natural expansion towards the Urals and Siberia, absorbing their huge territory. Lavrov's understanding of Russia's development is in keeping with John Thomas and other Bible prophecy students who wrote about the origins of Russia from a biblical perspective. It is the successor to the Byzantine Empire and became the dragon of revelation when the Russian rulers assumed the title of Tsar or Caesar and Russia became the Third Rome. Lavrov reflected on the glory of Russia's previous leaders, such as Peter the Great, who put Russia in the center of political decision-making in Europe. He wrote, Relying on tough domestic measures and resolute and successful foreign policy, Peter the Great managed to put Russia into the category of Europe's leading countries in a little over two decades. Since that time, Russia's position can no longer be ignored. Not a single European issue can be resolved without Russian opinion. He also wrote of Catherine the Great, who put Russia into the center of military decision-making in Europe. He wrote, Russia's size, power, and influence grew substantially under Catherine the Great when, as the Chancellor Alexander put it, not a single cannon in Europe could be fired without our consent. Well, these reflections are by design, and the implications being that moving forward, no European issues will be resolved without Russia's opinion, and no guns will be fired in Europe without Russian consent. Anything else would be tragic, as he went on to state. Reflecting on the current situation in the European Union and NATO, Lavrov drew on historical attempts to unite Europe under Napoleon, which did not include Russia in the decision-making. He went on to write that during at least the past two centuries, any attempts to unite Europe without Russia and against it have inevitably led to grim tragedies, the consequences of which were always overcome with the decisive participation of our country. I'm referring in part to the Napoleonic Wars, upon the completion of which Russia rescued the system of international relations that was based on the balance of forces and mutual consideration for national interests, and ruled out the total dominance of one state in Europe, end quote. Well, according to Lavrov, Russia saved the day in Napoleonic times. Quoting the Russian Emperor Alexander I, he drew an analogy with today. He said, there can be no more English, French, Russian, or Australian policy. There can only be one policy, a common policy, that must be accepted by both peoples and sovereigns for a common happiness. Well, this vision of the Tsars, and now the current leadership of Russia, is also in keeping with Bible prophecy. 
Ezekiel talks of an alliance of nations that spans Europe and Russia. We read in chapter 38, verses 2 to 3, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, in the RSV, of Meshach, of Tubal, and prophesy against him. While historians identify Rosh with Russia, Meshach with the Muscovite people who gave their name to Moscow, Tubal to the area of Tobolsk in Siberia, and the land of Magog with what we knew as Eastern Europe, and Gomer with France and Germany. Again, John Thomas, writing in Elpis Israel, looked for the development of the Tsars and the current Russian administration's vision of Europe. He wrote, Gog of the land of Magog, that is, styling the ruler of Magog by the latter syllable of the name of the country of which he rules, we have seen that Magog is the region extending from the Ross, or Russia, to the Rhine, comprehending Wallachia, Transylvania, Hungary, and Germany. Of course, the prophecy must be future because the Prince of Ross is the Gog of Magog, and as yet, no emperor of Russia has also been emperor of Germany, etc. John Thomas, Elpis Israel, page 385. Ezekiel adds to this confederation Western Europe by the addition of Gomer and all his bands in verse 6. We read, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarmer of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Well, again, Thomas draws on ancient historians to make his conclusion on Gomer and all his bands. He writes, In this general description may easily be discerned that extended portion of the west of Europe comprehending ancient Gaul, Belgium, and the countries bordering on them, which constituted in our day the Napoleonic Empire. Gomer then points immediately to France. He continues, Their country, according to the best modern geographers and historians, was bounded on the north by the ocean, on the west by the ocean, and on the, and the Rhine, on the south by the main, and on the east by the Weiser, a river that runs through Germany. End quote. Well, Lavrov's vision of Russia united with Europe is in keeping with the picture painted by Ezekiel in chapter 38. These nations are not just united geographically, militarily, and politically, but to a common ideology. Lavrov then countered Western criticism that painted the Russian Revolution of 1917 as a barbaric coup that dragged down all of European history. He pointed out that the Russian Revolution was part of a movement that swept all of Europe. He writes, undoubtedly the Russian Revolution was a major event which impacted world history in many controversial ways. It has been regarded as a kind of experiment in implementing socialist ideas, which were then widely spread across Europe. The people supported them because wide masses gravitated towards social organization with reliance on the collective and community principles, end quote. Well, Lavrov's assessment of the Russian Revolution is in harmony with the biblical prophecies about the socialist experiment that would affect Europe. Revelation 16 describes the threefold doctrine that was incubated by the French Revolution and burst out across Europe. We read in Revelation chapter 16 and verses 13 to 14, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. 
While the unclean teachings described as spirits of the demoniac or madmen would affect the kings of the earth and the whole world, eventually bringing them to the battle of Armageddon. This is the doctrine of liberty, equality, and fraternity, which is a false doctrine. As the Bible states in 2 Peter 2 verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought into bondage. Lavrov's reflection on communism is a national admission to being infected by the spirit of the French Revolution, which he holds not as a stain on Russian society, but as a defining element. He states, it is appropriate to recall yet another anniversary which will be marked next year, the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution. Today, we are faced with the need to develop a balanced and objective assessment of those events, especially in an environment where, particularly in the West, many are willing to use this date to mount even more information attacks on Russia and to portray the 1917 revolution as a barbaric coup that dragged down all Russian European history. Even worse, they want to equate the Soviet regime with Nazism and particularly blame it for starting World War II. Without doubt, the Russian Revolution of 1917 and the ensuing civil war were a terrible tragedy for our nation. However, all other revolutions were tragic as well. This does not prevent our French colleagues from extolling their upheaval, which in addition to the slogans of liberty, equality, and fraternity, also involved the use of guillotines and rivers of blood. Undoubtedly, the Russian Revolution was a major event which impacted world history in many controversial ways. It has become regarded as a kind of experiment in implementing socialist ideas, which were then widely spread across Europe. End quote. Well, this is fair comment. In Western opinion, the Russian Revolution, a revolution of the people, resulted in the dictatorship of Joseph Stalin. Bad. Something to be demonized while the French Revolution, a revolution steeped in the blood of the guillotine, resulted in the dictatorship of Napoleon Bonaparte. Good, something to be celebrated. The point is, both revolutions were bloody, resulted in dictatorships, but were the source of implementing socialist ideas that were widely spread across Europe. In other words, the frog spirits came out of the mouth of the European beast and out of the mouth of the Russian dragon. Well, remarkably, Lavrov then describes the collapse of the Soviet Union and the reforming of the nations released from Soviet influence. He states, if you take an unbiased look at the smaller European countries, which previously were part of the Warsaw Treaty and are now members of EU or NATO, it is clear that the issue was not about going from subjugation to freedom, which Western masterminds like to talk about, but rather a change of leadership. Russian President Vladimir Putin spoke about this not long ago. The representatives of these countries conceded behind closed doors that they can't take any significant decision without the green light from Washington or Brussels. End quote. Well, this is in keeping with the biblical principle. Romans 6 verse 16, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. All human governments are corrupt and fall under the sin-unto-death category. Whether communism, capitalist, or socialist, they are all governed by men. As Bible believers, we look for a new form of government. We read of it in 2 Peter 3, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Well, Lavrov, reflecting on how things went in Europe, sees a tragedy in not involving Russia in the European Union. He says, we had a practical chance to mend Europe's divide and implement the dream of a common European home, which many European thinkers and politicians, including President Charles de Gaulle of France, wholeheartedly embraced. Russia was fully open to this option and advanced many proposals and initiatives in this connection. Logically, we should have created a new foundation for European security by strengthening the military and political components of the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. End quote. Well, he sees the problem currently as being NATO. He wrote, Unfortunately, our Western partners chose differently. They opted to expand NATO eastward and to advance the geopolitical space they controlled closer to the Russian border. This is the essence of the systemic problems that have soured Russia's relations with the United States and the European Union. It is notable that George Kennan, the architect of U.S. policy of containment of the Soviet Union, said in his winter years that the ratification of NATO expansion was a tragic mistake. Lavrov sees Western policy as the core issue in a divided world. He writes, The underlying problem of this Western policy is that it disregarded the global context. The current globalized world is based on an unprecedented interconnection between countries, so it's impossible to develop relations between Russia and the EU as if they remained in the core of global politics as during the Cold War. He continues, we see how the United States and the U.S.-led Western alliance are trying to preserve their dominant positions by any available method or, to use the American lexicon, to ensure their global leadership. Many diverse ways of exerting pressure, economic sanctions, and even direct arm intervention are being used. Large-scale information wars are being waged. Technology of unconstitutional change of government by launching color revolutions has been tried and tested. Well, Lavrov lays the blame for the destruction of the established international system at the feet of America, arguing, as if it was us who bombed Yugoslavia in 1999 in violation of the UN Charter and the Helsinki Final Act, as if it was Russia that ignored international law by invading Iraq in 2003 and distorted UN Security Council revolutions by overthrowing Muammar Gaddafi's regime by force of Libya in Libya in 2011. Well, his conclusion is that America thinks it's the only game in town and its actions have caused the current instability in the world. In his opinion, America has become the protagonist of George Orwell's novel, originally intended to condemn the Soviet Union. He writes, It is based on the simple and even primitive logic that only Washington can set the tune in world affairs. In line with this logic, the principle once formulated by George Orwell and moved to the international level sounds like the following, All states are equal, but some states are more equal than others. However, today international relations are too sophisticated a mechanism to be controlled from one center. This is obvious given the result of U.S. interference. There is virtually no state in Libya, and Iraq is balancing on the brink of disintegration, and so on and so forth. Well, Lavrov then goes on to point out Russia's leadership in solving problems in contrast to America's leadership in creating them. 
He writes, a reliable solution to the problems of the modern world can only be achieved through serious and honest cooperation between the leading states and their associations in order to address common challenges. He continues, we know from experience that when these principles are applied in practice, it is possible to achieve specific and tangible results, such as the agreement on the Iranian nuclear program, the elimination of Syrian chemical weapons, the agreement on stopping hostilities in Syria, and the development of the basic parameters of global climate agreement, end quote. Well, the solution, plainly put, is for nations to join Russia in their approach to world affairs, which is working to leave the American sphere and its approach to world affairs, which is making things worse. He states, Russia is not fighting against someone, but for the resolution of all the issues on an equal and mutually respectful basis, which alone can serve as a reliable foundation for a long-term improvement of international relations. Our most important task is to join our efforts against very real challenges, among which the terrorist aggression is the most pressing one. The Russian president called for forming a broad-based front in order to defeat terrorists militarily. Well, Lavrov points out that Russia's tune is no different from the Vatican's tune. He states, We believe that human solidarity must have a moral basis formed by traditional values that are largely shared by world's leading religions. In this connection, I would like to draw your attention to the joint statement by Patriarch Kirill and Pope Francis in which, among other things, they have expressed support for the family as the natural center of the individuals in society. End quote. Well, this is not surprising, since the third entity from which the frog spirits are to come is the false prophet. As we read in Revelation 16, verse 13, the three unclean spirits like frogs came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Well, according to Lavrov, the vision of Russia is for a new world order, a new European order that has Russia at its heart, not America. He states, we continue to believe that the very best way to ensure the interests of the people living in Europe is to form a common economic and humanitarian space from the Atlantic to the Pacific, so that the newly formed Eurasian Economic Union could be an integrating link between Europe and the Asia-Pacific. Having already drawn the analogy between Napoleon and America as one state dominating Europe, his view of Russia is that it is the nation that has acted legally and creatively to solve problems and to influence the assembly of nations. He states, speaking about Russia's role in the world as a great power, Russian philosopher Ivan Ilyin said that the greatness of the country is not determined by the size of its territory or the number of its inhabitants, but by the capacity of its people and its government to take on the burden of great world problems and to deal with these problems in a creative manner. A great power is the one which, asserting its existence and its interests, introduces a creative and meaningful legal idea to the entire assembly of nations, the entire concert of peoples and states. It is difficult to disagree with these words. Well, it is amazing to hear Sergei Lavrov, the Minister of Foreign Affairs for Russia for the past 12 years, 
painting the picture of Russia that Bible students have anticipated and written about for years. Ezekiel describes a Russia that will have all nations assembled to it. In chapter 38, verse 7, he says, Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, and thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee. As we saw, Revelation tells us it is the humanistic social doctrine that ultimately will gather the nations into the Middle East at the time of the end. Revelation 16, verse 13 to 14, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, Russia, out of the mouth of the beast, Europe, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the Vatican, for they are the spirits of devils, working miracles. These are those teachings which go forth to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Well, we now see Russia standing up and asking the nations of Europe to join its humanistic crusade to solve world problems. Well, one of the problems that both Russia, Europe, and the Vatican all agree on is the Palestinian problem. And the Bible indicates that they will burden themselves with this issue, and it will be their downfall. Zechariah 12, verses 2 to 3 states, Behold, I make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about, when they shall be in siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. So Russia's plan to take on the burden of great world problems and deal with these problems in a creative manner has been predicted in Bible prophecy. The stage is being set for the legal and just war that will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The time is short. The end of all things at present constituted is at hand. The long-expected but stealthy advent of the King of Israel is on the eve of becoming a fact. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.